Electric Soil Podcast. Imagination is the electric soil of creation. Welcome back to the show. His name is Jimmy Song. He's a Bitcoin expert. He was on last year, about a year ago this time. And we uh, kind of unpacked everything about uh, Bitcoin as far as, uh, you know, from a beginner's standpoint, that's where I was. Uh, but we're going to uh, take it up from the conversation with the understanding that you already know a little bit more about Bitcoin now. And it's growing in popularity and uh, in, it's very topical these days. So, Jimmy, I'd like to welcome you back to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I can't believe you're up in Alberta and stuff, and I'm here in Austin. So isn't the internet magical? It is. Yeah, that's super cool. That we And we were talking, uh, you know, before we got started here, you've actually been up to Edmonton, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I have. Uh, my wife went to school there, so we wanted to show our kids, like, where she went to school and all that. So yeah. we actually explored the city in the summer a couple of years ago, yeah. Oh, wicked. And what did you, th- what did you think of uh, lowly little Edmonton up here? <laughs> it was nice, you know, right. especially during the summer. It a- is. Every Canadian city. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Yeah, fair enough, fair yeah, enough. So uh, we, we enjoyed Banff and uh, beautiful. I think we went to Jasper and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was great. It's a beautiful, yeah, the, both those spots are beautiful. So yeah, you did it upright for sure. Cool. Awesome, dude. <laughs> well, I want to get into this. So 2021 in review, we were talking Bitcoin, hit an all-time high in October. I know it was around 80K mm. Canadian, so I, I want to say it was at about 63-ish uh, United, yeah, for US mm-hmm. funds. Uh, it was projected at a hundred grand by the end of the year. Obviously, didn't quite uh, hit there. Kind of had a little dip towards the end of the year. We're sitting at about forty k right now. What were your thoughts on like the year of twenty twenty one? It was very. Uh, it was quite the roller coaster for Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, at least in terms of price. Uh, but at, at least as far as I'm concerned, the big big thing was uh, Taproot and things like that. That uh, the the technical things that came online were absolutely awesome. And, uh, you know, it's going to take a few years for everything to get into the protocol. Um, but we're going to have amazing ways in which we can, um, uh, you know, back up stuff and not shoot, uh, shoot ourselves in the foot and so on, which, uh, which I'm personally very excited about. We also saw a huge growth in the Lightning Network and everything else uh, around that. Uh, but yeah, the price was going up and down. A lot of people were expecting 100K based on um, plan B stock to flow model. Uh, that seemed to not be the case. <laughs> so uh, there, there's a lot of egg on faces of uh, a lot of people that thought uh, stock to flow was a legit thing, and probably including me. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not sure where it is and what's going on. Um, I, I suspect that like uh, the minor exodus from China had something to do with that. Um, there's uh, been a lot of different um, sort of rejiggering of uh, global things uh, in the past year as well. So, For sure. and, and you have inflation, you have a lot of like uh, macro things that are going on. So it, it's, uh, you know, it's been an eventful year. Let's just say that. For sure. And I, yeah, let's get into a little bit of that, like the macro stuff. Some of the, the other, these other things that are mm-hmm. happening in the world, you got like the war, you know, we're coming out of COVID mm-hmm. inflation. How much of that is still affecting mm-hmm. Bitcoin? Like I, I know the idea at some point is like Bitcoin is, you know, this uh, independent, uh, you know, entity, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it still is affected by, you know, world events, of course. Right. So what, uh, yeah, what can you say about some of these, uh, these things that are happening in the world, how it affects it and just how future proof, is Bitcoin, you know, moving forward, you, you hear about that kind of like, you know, the idea is to have it as like this separate entity. So what can you say about that kind of uh, subject matter? Yeah, uh, certainly there's a lot of things going on in Bitcoin. Um, 
that have been affected by, and you know, Bitcoin is affecting all of these events too. I, I, I don't think I need to look much further than the Canadian trucker stuff that happened in uh, in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Uh, you know, like they they literally seized like a lot of the funds that were coming to the truckers, and Bitcoin was the one way in which money actually got through. So. That was kind of a big moment, I think. Uh, in I mean, no matter where you are on that particular issue, knowing that the money can get through without a government interference—that's it's it's showing something. And you can see that also in the Ukraine and Russia right now, as you know, uh, you know, basically Russia is being deplatformed off of every financial platform, uh, especially the Russian citizens. So you're getting to see a little bit of uh, all, all of this that's happening, and it's uh, it's an interesting uh time that we're living in uh but you know from a macro standpoint i think uh the last year we've seen uh china ban mining and that didn't really affect things all that much which yeah. is very interesting yeah yeah uh they were like hey you guys have to get out of here and they did and you know we had a little dip in a hash rate for a while as uh you know all these mining uh all mining companies relocated to places like texas and uh and you know they're they're back online hash rates as high as ever and you know every, everything's just kind of going so yeah bitcoin is showing its uh resilience to government interference if you will um and that's that's a very good thing and i think uh for the long term the question that you asked before about how you know how future proof is it i think it's it's showing its future proofness in all of those things. Absolutely. I mean, I think too, I mean, there's some countries that are using it as like a backup currency now. You know, there's like, mm. you, you, I, I swear, like so much has changed even over this last year since we talked. And yeah, like you're saying, it's, um, yeah, the, it can, resiliency is the right word, right? There's so many, you know, as with any subject, when you th expose it to, to the media, there's going to be the extreme thoughts and extreme, you know, predictions and, and so forth. So anytime something like, yeah, with the, the, the thing in China that happened, uh, it's like, oh, that's it. You know, this is going to be, uh, you know, the bubble bursts, right? <laughs> and it's never the case. And I remember you specifically on the first show we did about a year ago, just mentioning that. It's like everybody is, is uh, you know, as and you because you've been in it for so long, I want to say 2013 or so or so that you got into it. Correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong. So you've seen all the different arguments, all the different, you know, okay, this is it. This is where, and here we are close to 10 years later. And no matter what happens, it seems like it's like bulletproof, like it's not going anywhere. So yeah, has anything sort of changed or has it just strengthened your conviction that this is, this is the, uh, this is here to stay and this is the, the way of the future in a lot of ways? Yeah, no, my, my uh, conviction's been strengthened. Uh, the other macro news, I think that's very, um, indicative of what's going on is El Salvador's adoption as, uh, of Bitcoin as legal tender. And you, know, you kind of hinted at it earlier with like making Bitcoin the second currency. They, they, they pretty much have done that where in El Salvador, you can go and buy anything with Bitcoin. That's cool. The critical thing there that, uh, that, that struck me when I was visiting a couple months ago is that they're now able to say no to the IMF. And you have no idea what this means <laughs> to a country like El Salvador. Uh, if you know the politics of the region and what's been going on, um, you know, it was known as the murder capital of the world and so on for mm. a long time. And, uh, you know, at, at least in Central America, it was uh, sort of like the bottom country on the totem pole of countries there. Um, but what's, what's been happening with this is that 
uh, and you know, a large part of that poverty and um, sort of like the Western exploitation of that area was due to the IMF. They, basically, if you take IMF loans, you have to do what the IMF says, uh, mm. particularly with regard to how, how you spend their budget, uh, your budget and so on. But what en- ends up happening is that uh, the IMF gives you these loans and tells you, okay, you have to implement austerity, you have to spend money this way. And almost always, like when the governments get in power, what they want to do is spend money on infrastructure, you know, like, you know, put up hospitals, roads, things like that. Uh, but the IMF's like, no, you can't do that. You have to go spend it on these other things. And that's been sort of like this major drag on that economy for a very long time. Um, what inevitably happens is that they can't pay these loans back and then they end up having to sell the assets that they have, which are the land that they have. And they end up going to these like giant multinational corporations for the benefit of Western countries. So, you know, a lot of these Central American and South American countries were called banana republics for a long time because Chiquita Banana literally like, you know, uh, use those places to grab, um, you know, significant uh, chunks of real estate so they can uh, import bananas to the U.S. and Western countries. So there's this history there, and uh, the IMF was a big part of that. But what's happened in El Salvador is that they basically said no and F you to the um, IMF money, and instead they're going towards Bitcoin. They're releasing this... uh, you know, $1 billion Bitcoin bond um, that's backed by Volcano Energy. So that is really critical because their dependence on the IMF is no longer there. So what, what you're seeing in that country is that the government is a lot more responsive to the people the way a dem- it should be in a democracy. Right. So you can, you can see things being built. You can see sewers. You can see roads. You can see you know, infrastructure getting better. And you know, especially if you go downtown Sunday, it becomes like this amazing place uh, that's developing constantly. It's, it's thriving because they're not under the thumb of the IMF. So for me, seeing stuff like that, seeing real change in the world as a result of Bitcoin, and a government that's actually responding to its people instead of being a puppet of the IMF. Those are those are important geopolitical macro things that Bitcoin is enabling. And this is something that I expect to explode in the next few years. If this volcano bond does as well as I think it will, you're going to see all the other neighboring countries do something similar. You're going to see a much bigger bond offering from uh, from El Salvador, you're going to see a lot of these countries thrive because essentially they've been made to serve Western interests for a long time instead of their own people. Um, and that, and they, this makes me super bullish on Bitcoin because it's not just a tool of, of personal freedom, but it's a tool of human freedom. And you're, wow. you're seeing countries get out under the thumb. That's amazing. Wow. That's, I didn't know, actually know all that. So that's, thanks for sharing that. That is, uh, that's amazing, man. That's super cool. Like you say, that's not just a personal gain or a personal freedom. It's, uh, that's a whole nother thing altogether. So that is, that is really cool. Have you been, uh, up and traveling in this last year? Like, have you, have you, uh, it sounded like you just went to to see over there is a, and if you have been traveling, is it sort of based around, um, you know, anything to do with Bitcoin as far as like, are you checking out, uh, you know, the effect that it's been having or has been, you know, just personal uh, reasons for traveling? What does that look like for you in the last year? 
Yeah, so uh, for a while there, I couldn't travel because of COVID and everything else, uh, except within the United States. Uh, right. But in the past few months, I've gotten to travel a lot more. Awesome. I went to El Salvador for a week, and that was um, honestly like a very good trip and learning about what's going on over there and seeing some of the stuff that I told you about and all the excitement and building that's happening over there. That's awesome. Like other uh, you know, there, there was a Mexican senator visiting El Zante, seeing, seeing what's going on, saying, how can I bring this to Mexico? And wow. if you know anything about Latin America, you know that that is extremely rare because Mexico sees itself as sort of like above uh, El Salvador. So for yeah. them to humble themselves and come over, wow. that, that was an enormous deal. Um, so stuff like that is just happening all over the place. And I, I got to see that in El Salvador. I visited uh, London a couple weeks ago and seeing what's going on because I was uh, doing a Bitcoin conference there. Um, I expect to travel more this year. Um, but yeah, it, the, the things around Bitcoin, um, you know, I've, I've been in the space, uh, you know, I guess as a, somebody that's known for about five years now. And yeah, I've gotten to travel all over the world and see things uh, about you know, what, what people are doing, including, you know, when I was, uh, at least up in Calgary, we had like a little Bitcoin meetup and cool, you know, uh, there, there's a bunch of, bunch of people there that are really into freedom and so on too. So it was an interesting, it, it's always an interesting thing to watch, um, the development of Bitcoin, uh, going on. So yeah, very, very happy about what's, uh, what's been happening and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's an exciting space to be in. Absolutely. And I bet you're excited to get back out and start doing some of these conferences because that's a that was a big thing, you know, leading into COVID. You were out there and having that energy of being, you know, having the, the presentation and the energy of seeing the people like when you're talking about it, you know, get excited with you and have questions and so forth. So I'm imagining that is something that you have missed. You know, it's been a very intermittent, if if anything, over the last couple of years, I would assume. Eh? So that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, isn't that the case for everybody, right? Like, of course. Of course. <laughs> nobody's seen anybody. So yeah. it's like, we almost forgot what it's like to be with other people. It's, uh, and I feel really bad for the people that have been locked out the hardest and Canada being one of them, uh, you know, people in San Francisco, New York, Australia, uh, man, I, I feel horrible for those people because they haven't had warm human contact in a long time. That's just, it's it's something you need. It's yeah. It's 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 funny you mentioned that because I was on a podcast last night. We were talking about it. And it's like after a year of it of not having that. It's it's one thing, and you're okay. Well, I can get back to this. But it's like this two years. So there's this like accumulated yeah. uncertainty, right? It's not so like much fear, but it's just like it is. It's just like man, it's been a while. If nothing else, you're like, whoo, mm -hmm. it's been a while. Like I play in a band, I'm like expecting to to start playing venues again. I'm like, but it's been two years. Like one year is one thing, but mm -hmm. two years to get back up there. And you know, I'm confident I can do it, but there's still just in a, this accumulated uncertainty and sort of ang like awkwardness, if nothing else, from just not being like I've done hundreds of zoom calls but just actually sitting across from somebody has been fairly rare to be honest with you so it's an unusual time well, for i sure. mean for a musician yeah right for a musician you need to like actually play with people in the same area you can't have like delays and stuff like that well that's so that that's got to be critical definitely so there's okay a couple things with that like we still did i had my uh my band would come over for sure uh, you know, but intermittently again, right? There'd be four, you know, three, four months that we couldn't practice because everything was shut down. Uh, but there was a way to actually jam over the internet now with no lag, which is super cool. I can jam with my brother who's in Vancouver 
and it's like there's no you know mm. none of that delay so that's super cool mm -hmm. that's a whole nother subject mm. uh so back to what we're talking about here what, what's your take on i'm just interested with the whole like you know, like an Elon Musk can go on there and say, oh, I love Bitcoin. I don't, doesn't it to me, like, I don't know, call me cynical or, or a conspiracy theorist, but like, it seems like he can basically, it's almost like stock trading tips where he can go on, he can tell his buddies, hey, I'm going to go on there and, and, you know, it's going to drop buy in and then I'll say something else. And like, what, what's your take on, on, you know, certain celebrities, specifically Elon Musk, as far as his potential, you know, control over, uh, you know, how well cryptocurrency specifically bitcoin can do yeah uh, and certainly there are a lot of influencers that have that ability to sort of use their influence in sort of nefarious ways and a lot of people have uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> including elon musk who's uh who's pumped dogecoin or whatever right um and yeah the thing is though like at a certain point people need to learn that you know these celebrities aren't you know the be all and end all um they will have influence but you know, I, for me, Bitcoin is all about self-sovereignty and you have to learn on your own. And if you are stupid enough to follow Elon Musk's advice um, and not check for yourself, then you're going to need a better heuristic. It's it's going to it's yeah. going to come back and bite you. If you invested in Dogecoin when he told you, you would be down. Right. Like yeah. there, there are certain things that, um, you know, we need to take personal responsibility for and investing is definitely one of them. Sure. Uh, way too many people are sort of into stuff because other people are. And I, I blame all this on fiat money because there's just so much money printing. Like you can't, you, you are almost forced to invest uh, in order to keep your wealth. And this is kind of what happens is that because everybody has money to invest, they're forced to invest, they, they end up taking shortcuts like uh, using heuristics. Oh, who else is into this? And I'll just go with that instead mm. of, you know, actually doing the work of figuring out, okay, what's, what's the value prop here? What's the actual reason here? And this is what I call kind of like postmodern investing, which is mm. based on popularity only instead of the underlying fundamentals. And we, we've been seeing this over the past two years where instead of people going into um, actual fundamental value and making that uh, the reason to invest, uh, the return that you're going to get uh, based on, you know, uh, dividends or returns or something like that. They're doing it based purely on popularity. So you, you have stuff like GameStop and, uh, you know, Hertz, a bankrupt company or AMC or whatever, all of these companies pumping, not because of their fundamentals are good at all, mm. but because it's just purely about the crowd um and dogecoin is sort of for me the epitome of that and i hate it um and people need to learn uh, a lot about this um but you know I, I i think we all see how irrational it's all getting and fiat money sort of like you know pours gasoline on this phenomenon um as we go more towards a bitcoin standard i think uh we can we can start seeing some of this stuff kind of go away and people coming back to a more rational basis for investing uh, rather than this very postmodern will to power. We're going to do what we are going to do. And you can't stop us kind of attitude that seems to be prevalent in the investing world right now. Right. No, that's an interesting take on it. And that's good. We, uh, you mentioned the money printing from, from what I heard and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if it's uh, like I heard it on a podcast. So I'm just sourcing it that way, but like, there's something along the lines of, 
whatever it is, it's an inordinate amount of the fiat currency in the States has been printed just in the last couple of years alone. So and that's one of the reasons for inflation, which is a little bit obviously concerning, right? And I forget what it is, but I heard it was like, it was a large percentage, like 60 or 70% of the money that's in circulation has been printed in the last couple of years. What is that? Uh, is that, I guess, A, is that true? Do you know of, of that? Am I, is, am I, uh, my, is my source correct? And uh, what, does that, what does that do for inflation? And what does that say about like the American dollar or just the dollar in general, like fiat currency in general? Like that seems shocking to me that it would be, you know, it would be up, upwards of that. Yeah, so it's not quite 60 or 70%. If you look, take a look at the empty money supply, it was about $15 trillion at the beginning of 2020. So th this is one measure of all the money that exists, M2. Um, there's M0, which is like the Fed, M1, which is like basically the, uh, the deposits at uh, commercial, uh, like banks and stuff like that, and then M2, which includes a, a bunch of other stuff. But it's a good measure of all money that exists. 15 trillion at the beginning of 2020. Right now it's 2022, about two years later. Um, and, you know, I guess it's almost exactly two years when we basically locked down. Yeah. It was about 15 trillion then. Uh, two years later, it is right now 22 trillion. So mm. 7 trillion on, on, uh, on 15 trillion, that's almost half. I, I would say that's like 43%, something like that. Wow. So 43% expansion in the M2 money supply. Now, Canada might be actually 67%. I'm not sure. But every central bank does this. And that's what inflation is. It's, uh, it's the expansion of the money supply. Mm. And based on that, prices tend to go up or whatever, because you have a larger supply of money chasing a fewer amount of goods. Right. Um, and especially with all the short, like, pretty much any time you have a shortage, you have sort of a, a price disconnect. Uh, so the supplier knows that it costs this much to produce a good. Consumers are used to a particular price and expected to get at that price. But the supplier has sort of like increased the price because that's, you know, based on all the money printing and stuff. Well, that that's how much it costs them to produce it mm. and make a profit. So therefore, uh, you know, there's this disconnect and that tends to, uh, you know, if they kept it low, then everybody buys it because it's too cheap. Um, if they keep it higher then a lot of, a lot of people, or they raise their price, a lot of people won't buy. So you, you, you have that all along the supply chain and these quote unquote supply chain problems are really about like price rejiggering mm. across the entire supply chain because, you know, like lumber is really expensive, copper, you know, computer chips plastics just, just about everything has gone up in price so you know up and down the entire supply chain you have um you know these people that are like well we can't afford that and sell it for this much uh we, we either need to source something else so everything kind of gets reset and that that uh. that's been what's happening over the last year and we we get that effect throughout the economy and, and this always happens during inflation if you study any other sort of like inflationary era you're going to have you you have weird shortages all over the place because of this monetary phenomenon of uh, the entire economy rejiggering um and that's been what's happening over the last year uh, but you know they, they're like oh it's because ships are stuck at port or whatever and this that whatever it's none of that it's it's just you know there there's prices and people are not used to the new prices yet and it takes time for people to get used to 43% more money existing in the economy. And that, that, that takes a while. So um, we're, we're seeing that 
right now. And, uh, you know, as they say, like inflation is everywhere and always a monetary phenomenon. Um, this, this is definitely a monetary phenomenon as a result of all of the central bank money printing, not just in the United States, Canada, Europe, Asia, like all, all of these places have done that because, you know, basically the world's been shut down for two years and they yeah. justify printing money as, as a way to get around some of the stupidity of governments, basically. Right. Wow. Great explanation. I love it. Thanks for, uh, for explaining it like that. I want to get onto a different phenomenon. We're, we're talking about it. Uh, what do you? What is your uh, your view or your stance? Or uh, in fact, do you have any collections? NFTs. Get into NFTs. I know Bitcoin isn't necessarily into that yet. Is that something that Bitcoin would perhaps get behind? And what is your? Uh, yeah. What is your uh, your take on like the whole NFT craze of of specifically again the last years? It seems to be just really caught fire. But uh, yeah, what, what do you think of NFTs? I think they're a complete scam. Uh, and I, I say that, yeah. And the reason is it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's literally a row in the database. Uh, if you know what it is technically, you, I, I think it's very easy to understand that these are complete scams, right? Like they, wow. it, it is just a row in a database and it's only there by convention. It doesn't give you rights to anything. It, it, you don't get copyrights or intellectual property rights or anything like that. Oh, okay. It is by convention and it is only there because, uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of VCs hyping the hell out of it. And this is mm. what always happens in all coins is that you have, I've been in this industry for a while and you, you have this like hype cycle that happened. So in 2013, 2014, it was, all these new altcoins that were happening and mm. VC funded, and they would pump and pump and pump those things. And then, um, you know, people figured out that these things didn't do anything. And then there would be a huge bear market and everyone would lose money. Uh, 2017, it was like ICOs, um, you know, this cycle of DeFi and NFTs, but you know, that that's, that's the whole thing. It's a, uh, it, it's a bunch of VCs that are pumping it for their own gain because they get into these things really early and it's uh it's you know a lot of ethereum people or uh, people that have made money on a lot of this other stuff they're able to um you know like sort of uh, scam right like they, hmm. they they like being able to sell this stuff to the public uh for and these things are like incredibly easy to scam right you trade it back and forth between two accounts and uh you know, pump the price up, uh, and then, and then sell it to some gullible person or something like that. Right. It's, 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 it's idiotic. And, uh, wow. uh, you know, there's no interest whatsoever in bringing that to Bitcoin, at least for me, you know, sure. people talk about it as if it's something, but like, talk to me in two years when like nobody, like NFTs are down 99%. And yeah, you know, uh, Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's just so stupid. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. I like that take though. It's a, yeah, I like the honesty and just, yeah, <laughs> some thought behind it there. That's, that's good. That's cool. Let's talk a little bit about like, what do you foresee, uh, you know, everybody's still hyping and, you know, I guess it's when, when I'm talking like NFTs and just Bitcoin and everything in general, like again, just the sensational, you know, sensational nature of the conversation. Do you see it hitting? Do you see Bitcoin hitting 100K this year? Is that something that's potential? Like with everything kind of opening back up, you know, is that something that you foresee or is that something that you don't really think of? You just kind of, you know, it's in there, you're sitting on it, whatever it does, it does. What, 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 is, it, what is your take yeah, on I, that? I mean, it's entirely possible that I can, yeah. um, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I'm uncomfortable with sort of making short-term predictions like that. Fair and enough. I think 
you know, there's like nine months left in the year. That to me is a short-term prediction. I will say that within the next five years, I, I can definitely see it going to a hundred thousand, probably above that. Um, and that's kind of how you have to think about it with Bitcoin because you have that fixed supply and increasing demand. In the short term, you have a lot of uh, weirdness, right? Like for a while there, Enron was, uh, you know, pumping and whatever, and, you know, kind of like NFTs, you, you, you can have temporary times when things pump, but always comes down to fundamental value in the end. Mm. And Enron dropped just like I expect NFTs to. The fundamental value of Bitcoin is, um, you know, I, I, it, it has scarcity. It's sound money. It's a better money than anything that else that we've ever seen. So based on that, I expect it to go up because the fundamental value is there. And mm. it's not this sort of, sort of like postmodern nihilist, uh, you know, pumping of, uh, of coins. It, it's, it's based on something real, something, uh, something that people can use and um, has utility over the long term. So based on that, I, I'm more comfortable making predictions about five years down the line. Um, nobody's ever lost money holding Bitcoin for five years. Um, right. And I think that will continue to be true. I remember that was the advice you gave me. You said, you know, if if you're going to get into it, which I did, you know, hold, be prepared mm -hmm. to hold for five years and also be psychologically mm -hmm. prepared for it to dip up, upwards mm -hmm. to, you know, 80%. Just psychologically be ready for that mm -hmm. to happen because it could and probably will. Mm -hmm. So, and I, mm -hmm. I assume that's safe to say that's, uh, you know, sounds like similar advice, you know, for anybody listening that's uh, just kind of getting into it. Uh, has any other like views yeah. or anything else changed for you? And I'm just curious to say, I, I assume, I imagine, I should say, that your uh, stance mm -hmm. on any other crypto is the same. It's just, it's kind of, I remember you mentioned it before, sort of scammy. There's like, a, a collection mm -hmm. of people that have created this, that got into it at the beginning. It's almost like... Uh, like a new, new, uh, like almost like a pyramid scheme or something like that, where like these guys at the top are just getting <laughs> everybody else underneath the buy. Is that is that still your uh, views? Has anything sort of changed uh, as far as just views over? In no, it, yeah. I, it really hasn't. And the thing is, like, uh, more VCs are at the top of the pyramid, so they they have this interest in pumping the hell out of all of this stuff, which. Uh, which is highly immoral, I think. And I, I have soured on VC significantly for that reason, because you know, instead of funding early stage companies, they're all taking the shortcut of let's pump this altcoin and mm. um, uh, make, uh, make money for our LPs. Might be good for them, but it's not good for anybody else. And they're essentially stealing from everybody else through scams. So I, I really don't like this trend. I think there will be a huge reckoning coming and yeah, you know, I mean, possibly a lot of regulation. We're, we're seeing SEC uh, action taking place uh, with Ripple and probably a lot of others after that. Uh, but you know, you can't you can't just screw over a bunch of people and expect to keep getting away with it. Um, that, that that I think is uh, on its way. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Anything uh, as far as with Bitcoin, as far as when you're talking regulation, is there anything like that that you foresee? Mm -hmm. Is is it is it still is, I guess, in a sense, like untouchable, or is there something that eventually the, some government regulations can really, uh, you know, cut some of the legs out from under it? In a sense, yeah, and that's the million-dollar question. We don't, right. we don't really know. There, I, I would love to get a lot of that tested to see, you know, where the sort of vulnerable parts of Bitcoin are, because I think we can come back and be more resilient about it. Um, 
And, but, you know, what we are seeing, though, is that all coins are getting regulated like crazy. So sure. um, I don't know if you saw, but OpenSea and MetaMask both banned the Russian users. Um, and a lot of people were asking, wait, you can do that? <laughs> right. Isn't this decentralized? Right, right. <laughs> what, 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 good heck? point, actually. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, the thing is, the regulators demanded it. And, uh, you know, all these altcoins have been thriving on this moniker of decentralization, saying, oh, we're decentralized. You can't regulate us, blah, blah, blah. The regulators are starting to not buy it. They're like, <laughs> okay, if we want you to ban Russian users, you're going to ban Russian right. users. And, uh, gotcha. Yeah, and yeah. You're, go you're going to have to. Uh, I, I think it's inevitable that at some point they'll be like, Ethereum, you need to go ban Russian users or something to that effect. And they're going to have to comply or or whatever. And that's going to be sort of like a watershed moment where mm. we're going to be like, yep, this is this is actually happening. And, but, you know, with Bitcoin, there's no center. There's none of that. Yeah, uh, there's right. no Vitalik Buterin or Bit, uh, Ethereum Foundation to go and arrest. So right. um, Bitcoin, I think, will be safe. All of this other stuff will start getting regulated. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. Awesome. I just noticed in your bio that you included uh, on, on the write-up that I'm going to throw in the show notes here, that you were an expert witness uh, at some point or another. Can you tell <laughs> me a little bit about that? That sounds crazy. Let, let's, let's, uh, can you fill us in on that? It, 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 it was. Uh, I can't talk too much about it. Fair enough. But, you know, I, I, I was an expert witness in a Bitcoin divorce case where the husband was trying to do good for the wife. Let's just put it that way. Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. I was kind of, well, yeah, I just, thanks for that. It's just a little bit of context that sounded very uh, too good to pass up. So I definitely wanted to throw that in there. That's great. It's a great story. And if you ever meet me in person, maybe we can talk about fair it. Fair yeah. enough. I'd, yeah, and hopefully we will meet you in person. If you ever come up to Canada, I'll, 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 keep, uh, I'll keep posted on what you're doing. But if you ever come back up here, yeah, I'll count me in for sure. Uh, but yeah, I guess, uh, any, any future plans? What is, what is next in uh, 2022 for, uh, for Jimmy? What's going on for you? What's, uh, what's, what's coming around the corner? Uh, well, so I'm going to be at Bitcoin 2022. Um, I did just release a new book, Bitcoin and the American dream. I oh. apologize for you Canadians, uh, but it's a policy book for, uh, for, uh, for politicians so that they can get to know our community and, you know, oh. what we and stuff like nice. that um i wrote it with seven other people if you are interested go to amazon and you can just search up bitcoin and the american dream uh you know a lot of people have uh, said very good things about it and especially for politicians that don't know much about bitcoin it's a good guide for them because we describe the bitcoin voter what's the bitcoin, uh, you know who they are what, what we want and it's not who you think most people think oh it's a bunch of anarcho-capitalists you know, libertarian, uh, you know, computer bros or something like that. <laughs> it's not. And right. if, if, if you actually look at the stats, it's actually, you know, more black people on a per capita basis have Bitcoin than white people. Really? Stuff like that, which that's cool, which is like completely counterintuitive. But, yeah. you know, we explain in the book, OK, yeah, this is because black people have historically have had their property taken away from them. So. It's very important for them to have property that's unseizable by government, mm. and this is a, a, you know, like, you know, like the legacy of slavery is not so much, okay, yeah, these rules are bad for us or whatever. It's that, you know, the government has just taken their stuff away. Yeah, <laughs> just want the government to stop taking their stuff away. Right. So yeah, wow. there, there are arguments in there uh, like that, which uh, I think will make a lot more sense to politicians once they really get to know the Bitcoin community because 
you know, they, they have a perspective on it and we want to flip that perspective and say, all right, here's the real reality, right? Like there's a huge group of black people that love Bitcoin for this reason. Uh, there's a huge group of, you know, uh, LGBTQ people that love Bitcoin for this reason. There's a, you know, and you, you have to understand that these are different constituencies that you might not know about or why they're interested in Bitcoin. And we explain all of that for, wow. in, in the book. So, yeah, um, it's Bitcoin and the American Dream. Please pick it up at Amazon. Go, go check it out. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And where else can we find you online there, Jimmy? Um, at Jimmy Song on Twitter. Uh, I have a newsletter, jimmysong.substack.com. Um, I am planning to do some interesting stuff coming up, so please stay tuned uh, with my newsletter on Twitter. Awesome. And thanks so much for coming on the show again. You're always super informative. I love the way you explain things uh, as far as like you just, it's, it's very concise and you know you have a you have your opinions, but they are very much based in like you know your stuff. So you know I I, I can speak on behalf of my audience. Thank you so much again for coming on, and uh, yeah, as always, we'll keep in touch, man. And uh, all the best to you in the future, and we'll talk to you uh, sooner than later, I'm sure. All right, thank you. Thanks, Jimmy.